Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word tonight? All right. Well, let's open our Bibles. Uh, we're going to be going uh, uh, here in a little bit to read some verses in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a prophet about uh, 400, 450 years before Christ. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nehemiah has really been a, a prophet to me through my lifetime. I had a lot of things I studied out for tonight. I finally had to narrow it down because I had too many things to tell you. And so tonight I'm going to let Nehemiah give us some real principles of life. And uh, uh, I, I just want to just basically hit and share a general overview of the life and the calling and the work of Nehemiah. And uh, many of you may not know much about him, but Nehemiah was a blessed man. He had a good job and he was in a safe place. Interesting, because he was a Jew and he was a part of the captivity that had been taken captive to Persia. And so he was in a foreign land and uh, he served as the cupbearer for the Persian king Artaxerxes at his winter residence in Shushan. Um, Nehemiah was very comfortable. He was very trusted, and he had a great reputation, uh, despite the fact that he was a slave. Despite the fact that his family had been taken captive and been taken away from home into a foreign country and had been made to serve the king. You know, the Bible shows us when people are in places that they don't want to be, but in places that, that they are, wherever you are, you need to learn how to blossom where you are. It was the life of Joseph. You remember Joseph in beginning in Genesis 35 and through the rest of Genesis shares the life of Joseph with us. And Joseph was not only in a pit, but he was also uh, you know, in a prison and he ended up making it to the palace. But wherever Joseph found himself, he learned how to please God where he was. And that was one of Nehemiah's challenges, no doubt. Do you know that when you find yourself in a place that you don't want to be, in a place that you don't deserve to be, in a place that perhaps you feel as though that is, that, 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 that is a very horrible place for you, uh, you have two choices, please God or please yourself. You know, it's better to please God, just like the Apostle Paul and Silas, whenever they were, were uh, you know, wrongfully accused, stripped naked in public and beaten with rods and thrown into a prison and they're, 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 they were in chains and their feet were in stocks. They chose at the midnight hour to worship and to praise God. Why? Because they knew the prisoners were listening. People are always listening. They're always watching. It's important that we realize that, that Nehemiah, in all that Nehemiah did, Nehemiah was still a slave. He was still a captive, unfairly, un, and for him, unfortunately, but God used him anyway because Nehemiah was willing to be used. Nehemiah felt that he could do something, and so he should do something. And... Uh, he was subject to the wishes of his master. He was subject to the wishes of his king. Just like you and I. 
You know, he chose to be a good servant of the king, even though perhaps he felt like he was in an unfair situation. You know, what we decide to do when we find ourselves in a situation we didn't ask for and when situations that, that we don't deserve and situations it feels as though that we cannot control, it pays us to begin to please our master. His name is Jesus. Our king, his name is Jesus. And we have by choice become slaves unto Christ, the word of God says. We, if we are free, the Bible says, concerning this, this, this world, if we are, you know, then, then we are a slave to this world. But if we choose, we can become a slave to the master, to our king. This is a part of Nehemiah's uh, impression on my life. And, and uh, one day Nehemiah heard about the poor and the difficult conditions that his fellow Jews were facing in a faraway country. All the way back to Jerusalem. He heard and he, he, he heard from travelers, no doubt, how all the things that were going on and, and how they were being mistreated and how they had fallen in, 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 into abject poverty and how they were unprotected and they were being uh, you know, harmed and hurt and robbed. And, and he heard about this and it just wouldn't leave his heart. The poor condition of these people would not leave his heart. And so uh, he felt he should do something about it if he could. And so he petitioned his master. He petitioned the king to allow him to go and help these people that he heard were in such trouble. And he was a Jew, and he wanted to go and help the Jews who were in trouble. I find that interesting. You know, many times people have a heart, just as the Apostle Paul did, for people from their own situation of life. The Apostle Paul was born in what is now the country of Turkey. And whenever he began his first, second, third missionary journey, guess where he went? Right back into that same area and homeland where he knew the people and conditions of the people. I find that interesting. Well, Nehemiah was allowed by the king to go to Jerusalem. And when he arrived in Jerusalem, he saw that the enemies of the Jews were working against them, doing their best to keep them poor, doing their best to keep them powerless. You know, what's the, that, that, that's what the enemy of our souls will do at times. That's what the enemy of the church tries to do. The enemy of, 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 of the, the saints tries their best to keep you poor, poor in spirit, or powerless against the things that, that, that you're facing. And so uh, uh, Nehemiah began to encourage the people. He stood with them against their enemies, and he began to strategically lead them to reshape their lives. He began, because God anointed him and God had appointed him, he began to help them restructure, reshape their lives. Nehemiah, of course, had the backing of his master, and his master was the undisputed king, but that did not impress the enemies. Do you know the fact that you belong to Jesus and the fact that someone else belongs to Jesus does not impress the enemy. The enemy doesn't care that you are a child of God. In fact, if you are a child of God, you are even at times more a target for the devil wanting to keep you poor and wanting to keep you powerless and wanting to keep you in, in some type of bondage to this world so that you cannot uh, uh, live the life that God intends for you. Well, uh, the enemies 
tried everything they could to intimidate Nehemiah, who was, you know, a servant of the Lord himself. He had gone back to help the poor. But the, but, but, but the enemies, you can read the book of Nehemiah. It is a great story, a great historical account. But the enemies did their best to intimidate him and to intimidate those people he was trying to help. They did their best to, to, to uh, you know, accuse them before the king of doing wrong and, and even accuse Nehemiah to, to the people that he's just trying to do this because he wants to be your king. Accusations, uh, the, the devil makes every accusation that he can. In fact, one of the things that, that we're told about in the book of Revelation is that the accuser of the brethren will be cast down and will not be able to accuse us before God anymore. That's, that, that's, one, of the great, that's one of the things he uses is accusation. Um, uh, delay of resources. You know, uh, the enemies uh, uh, tried their best and ended up delaying Nehemiah's resources. Don't we see this played over and over in the Bible? You remember whenever Daniel, if you've read the book of Daniel, you know that Daniel prayed for three weeks. And finally, when Gabriel got to Daniel, he said, I came, I, I sent at your first word, when you first set your heart to seek the Lord, I was dispatched, but I was delayed by the prince of Persia. Daniel was right there in that same place that Nehemiah was. He was a captive. He was right in Persia in that same place. I was delayed by the prince of Persia. He, he withstood me. He, the, the resources that God had sent were being delayed. And Michael, the prince of Israel, the archangel of God, came and fought with alongside Gabriel and held off the forces of darkness while Gabriel could go ahead and bring. But it took three weeks. Isn't that interesting? That's what uh, the devil, the enemies, tried against Nehemiah tried to delay resources and, and, and threats of injury. You know, uh, uh, they, you know we're going to hurt you. In fact, they, 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 they plotted to kill Nehemiah. Amazing. And the unrelenting campaign that they waged against the people that Nehemiah was trying to help to weaken them, depress them, distract them, to defeat them. You know, the devil is relentless in his desire to defeat the children of God, to depress and distract and detour and defeat and delay resources and do everything he can to prove that, that the message and the messenger of God, uh, you know, just, it's, it's just not going to happen. Nehemiah's enemies tried to get the people to refuse Nehemiah's help. Isn't that one of the things that happens? Isn't that what the devil does? The devil, you know, uh, uh, wants to make sure that you don't trust the person that God sends to help you. That's what happened in Moses. You remember Moses got down in the land of Egypt and the people said, why are you down here bothering us? Leave us alone. We had it better, Moses, before you got here. Now we don't have any straw. You know, how many times did the devil convince people to reject the messenger of God and therefore discount the message of God? How many times has God sent someone, a messenger to someone in need, and then refused to hear the message? Well, the enemy did everything they could to cause the people to distrust Nehemiah's motives. When that didn't work, they made it as hard as they could on these poor people, and, and, uh, and, and the enemies just were kept hoping that they would quit, that they would give up. I mean, they taunted them. They did everything they could uh, to, you know, uh, they, they didn't want the people doing anything to make it better for themselves. 
We see that all over the world. We see governments doing their best to keep people poor, to keep people down, to keep a message that you can do better. You can do, you know, you, uh, you know, you and God are a majority. But uh, it was just horrible. The enemies of the Jews wanted them, wanted the Jews to remain as poor as possible so that they would be dependent and unable to protect themselves, unable to provide for their families. You know, the devil had a plan, and his plan had worked for many years, but God has a plan as well. God's will was plain. His purpose was clear. God's will is always plain. We, we don't have to have some revelation to know what the will of God is. It's always going to be good. It's always going to be uh, together. It's always going to be healing. It's always going to be encouragement. It's always going to be blessing. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. It's always goodwill toward men. When you see people oppressed and you see them depressed and you see them worried and anxious and you see them being robbed from, you see people being treated wrong, you see people being lied against and falsely accused, whenever you see people being mistreated, that is never the will of God. The will of God is not hard to discern. It's salvation and love and joy and peace and, and patience and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and, and, and you know, uh, humility and self-control. God's will is not hard to determine. However, the devil does a lot to fight against the will of God, trying to keep people divided and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, distrusting the good message, the good news. Jesus came and gave his life on the cross of Calvary so that men and women could be forgiven of sins and spend eternity in heaven, and yet people don't trust him. People don't trust the messengers that want to tell others about him. And many times people make laws so you can't talk and tell Jesus. You can't, you can't even you know, take Jesus into a classroom, into a courthouse in, in, in some ways. Isn't, doesn't that seem strange to you? distrusting and resisting the messenger and the message even when his name is jesus love and joy and peace who does not want to hear about love and joy and peace who does not want to hear about goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and 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 humility and temperance who does not want who could reject goodness who could reject mercy who could reject, you know, love? Who could reject joy? That's the message of Jesus Christ. It's a message of salvation. Who could reject someone who would be willing to lay their life down for you? Doesn't that seem crazy? How does the devil convince people? How does the devil so confuse people? Well, that's what was happening in uh, Jerusalem, God placed a burden in Nehemiah's heart. Even though he was a slave, God made a way for him to succeed. There are a few scriptures in the book of Nehemiah that have provided key leadership principles for me for the last 40 years of my life. Uh, in some of the most critical times of my life, Nehemiah has spoken to me. And so I just want to give you just a few key verses 
from which some of the principles uh, in my life have come from and how decisions have been made. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to look at this first. I'm going to read verse 18, 19, and 20 uh, uh, and, and to bring it into a little context. Nehemiah was, was, uh, went with a message from God and from the king to help the people in Jerusalem. Verse 18, and, and, and I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me and also of the king's word that, has spoken, uh, that he has spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. But when our enemies, I'm paraphrasing here, I, did, I, I left their names out, heard of our plan, they laughed at us. And I answered, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. You know, many times I have shared what God has put on my heart, like what Nehemiah shared with the people, what God placed on his heart. When I told them that the hand of God was on me, when I told them that, 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 that God had been good to me and that this is what the king had said to me, they said, great, let's go and do it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that, that's a pretty good deal. Many, many, many times I have been encouraged. Like God said to Moses, go down into Egypt and tell Pharaoh. Well, Pharaoh going to listen to me whenever you're speaking the word of God. Go to Zarephath, Elijah, and that widow is to sustain you. He went there and told her what God said to him, and, and, and that opened up her heart. Listen, whenever you have a message from God, don't be afraid to stand up and share that message because when people hear that message, the same thing will happen that happened here. They will arise and be. Even though the enemies may laugh at you, yet <laughs> the God of heaven himself will prosper us and we will arise and build. When you have a word from the Lord, when God speaks to you, it might surprise you how many people, when they hear it, will get on board with it like the widow. How many people get on board with something that God says to you, something, a dream in your heart, a desire that you have. Whenever God gives you something to do, don't be shy about sharing it with others. You might be surprised how much support you will find. Nehemiah, the third chapter. Uh, listen, listen to this. Whenever, whenever Nehemiah got to Jerusalem, his task, uh, the big task, was to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And the enemies were fighting every way they could. They didn't want him to do it. They didn't want him to succeed. They did everything they could. They tried to intimidate. They accused. They did everything they could. But he was trying to build a wall so that the people could be protected, so that they wouldn't have to be open to all the enemy's desires. And so, uh, you know, uh, in him engaging the people, he said, listen, this is what we're going to do. God has been good to me. He's going to prosper us. We're going to be able to do this. Even though you don't have any money, you don't have anything else, God is going to help us do this. He will prosper us, so let's get up and do something. And while we're doing it, God will provide for us. But one of the strategies that Nehemiah used in getting the wall rebuilt around Jerusalem, because it was a huge task, one of the strategies he used, uh, Nehemiah 3, verse 10. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Harum, whatever his name was, made repairs in front of his house. 23. After him, Benjamin and another guy made repairs opposite their house. And then some more guys, they made repairs by his house. And then verse 28, and beyond the horse gate, the priest made repairs each in front of his own house. You see, there's something about 
doing something that God gives you for you. There's something about doing something you're invested in. Building a wall around Jerusalem did not excite the people as much as building a wall for their house. Does that make sense? You see, there's something that God has given you. There's a part that God has given you. There's a heart, something you have in your heart. And, and doing what's in your heart, doing something that means something to you. If you cannot get people engaged in doing something that is meaningful to them, you will not have as much energy. You'll not have as much um, uh, willingness, as much strength. There's something in your world that lights you up. There's something you are passionate about. There is something that God has given you to do. There's something that is yours. There's something that is your part. And once you identify what your part is and what belongs to you, once you find out what God has called you to do, there's something that lights you up. There's something that you have passion about. Stick with your passion. If it does not burn in you, it won't burn in anybody that hears you. There's something that makes you light up. Well, then stick with that that makes you light up. Have you noticed that I'm pretty well lit all the time you see me? That's because I'm not really interested in things I'm not interested in. Hello? But you want to get over here and something I'm interested in, then you'll find that a light comes on inside of me. I get passionate about it, and I'm willing to put my life on the line and die for it because it means something to me. It might be children. It might be the poor. It might be, you know, a city or a country. It might be something, you know, it might be feeding people. It might be whatever. It might be teaching Sunday school. It might be teaching school. It might be, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's something in your world that lights you up, and if you will stick to what lights you up you will light up everybody around you amen and those that don't want to hear about it they'll find somewhere else to be lit come on now there's something you're passionate about don't apologize for that move yourself into it there's something about working on the wall that belongs to you that makes sense That's one of the things Nehemiah has helped me through the years to stick with things that are important to me, to connect with things that are important to me. There are a lot of things going on, but boy, I tell you, I I can't do everything, but I can do some things, and the few things I choose to do are the things that light me up because then I have my full attention, my full energy. I'm, I'm, I'm gauging. I'm not trying to make another dollar. I am trying to accomplish another desire of my heart. Does that make sense? As much as possible. Work on the wall in front of your own house. Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, verse 6. I I love what this says. Uh, uh, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to the half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Listen, nothing really gets done. Nothing gets really completed unless the people have a mind to work. You know, there are a lot of things that, that, that we could be doing, but there, we can't do anything unless somebody does it. Hello? Through the years, I've called that, if it's your baby, you raise it. Every now and then, somebody will come along and say, listen, we need a bus ministry. I'll say, okay, God bless you, you're in charge of the bus ministry. No, I don't want to do it. Then, <laughs> hey, look, I don't want to do it either. Hello? If it's your baby, you raise it. If you're not going to raise it, don't be having babies. Doesn't that make pretty good sense? Yeah. 
It sounds all exciting and fun to have a baby up until you have one and got to raise it. I had some people come visit our church a few years ago, some ministers, and they, they, they wanted to start a bus ministry. Listen, we know how to start a bus ministry in your house, in, 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 in your church, and we're going to start this bus ministry. I said, no, you're not. You remember him, Ken? I said, y'all find somewhere else to go. You're not starting a bus ministry here. You don't start a bus ministry to two churches and left them with a bus ministry. I don't need to get pregnant. I got plenty of vision. Now, if you're going to stay here for 20 years, let's go buy some buses. I'm not short on vision. I'm short on volunteers. Hello? <laughs> Watch in your life about people that want you to do something that they're not going to hang around and do. Because things only get done when people have a mind to work. I've learned through the years that, uh, that, I, that, if, that if I cast out a project, nobody wants to join it. Most likely, I'm going to be there on Saturday morning hammering it myself. <laughs> but work gets done because people have a mind to work. Uh, uh, Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, verse 17. Those who built on the wall... And those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. They ordered their life in such a way and their work in such a way that they knew that with one hand they could work because their enemies were trying to kill them and trying to stop them all the time. And so what they decided they were going to do is we're going to have to be diligent while we're doing the Lord's work. While we are busy about building a family, I have got to keep the enemy away. I've got to fight the devil. While I'm building a business, I've got to pay attention to fighting the enemies that want to destroy this business. While I, I mean, you've got to work with one hand and you've got to war with the other one. And if you leave either one of those undone, then you'll end up without a business or without God in your business. And you may as well have a business for the devil. I'm spiritualizing all this, by the way. Does that make sense? And the weapons that we hold in our hands, listen, there are two great weapons. Let me encourage you. If you do not have these two great weapons with which to fight the devil, then, then chances are that you're going to have a lot more difficult time. Number one is love. You have to love the work of God if you're going to work and fight the devil you've got to love what you're doing love the goal whatever the goal is if you don't love the goal you're not passionate about it you're not you're not in, into it then then you may not have the energy to work and keep the devil off at the same time love love defeats the enemy more than any other thing love motivates us to forgive love motivates us to to, to engage love defeats the enemy god is love love defeats the devil more than anything else on this in, in in this universe jesus was moved with compassion and healed the multitudes god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son love is a powerful weapon against the enemy uh, number two this one might surprise you but time is is, is the second most powerful tool against the enemy time because it is with our time time is the only thing you can give someone that you can never get back it is the eternal gift you can give somebody a dollar and you can make another one but you give them 10 minutes you can't get that back and if you're unwilling to spend time jesus called 12 men first to be with him and then to send them out to preach time 
Time with one. Time with your family. Time with your friends. If you're unwilling to sit down and give a little child time, you probably don't love that child like you should be loving that because time is what it takes in order to defeat the devil. Time is what God uses in our life to build relationships. Time is what God uses in our life. Time equals respect. Time equals value. Unless you're willing to spend time, not dollars, time, then you may not understand how the devil is getting into the situation because the devil will send somebody to spend time with those that you won't spend time with. That's some pretty good stuff. Okay, here's, here's my three points. Number one, clarity concerning God's will. Be clear on the will of God. The will of God's not hard to find out, okay? Don't be confused about the will of God. You remember? It's good, it's love, joy, peace, okay? Uh, number two, you need an overriding trust in the provision of God. Trust God's provision. And number three, you need confidence that you are the best person for the job you have been assigned confidence you are the best person for the job god has assigned you the he, you you you're, you you may be the only one but you are definitely the best person why because he chose you he only chooses the best so what god's given you to do do with confidence Amen. thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from pastor ron hammonds Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.